Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiago Pram. Today, we're going to talk about how to choose love over being right. I think it's really important during this time that we talk about this, and I think we're going to all gain a little bit of insight on how to show up with love during this time. Let's get into it, shall we? Right here on Revealing the Diamond. So we're going to continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm really looking forward to this. Today we're talking about how the meek will inherit the earth, and then we're also going to talk about thirsting and hungering for righteousness. That word righteousness is a weird one, but we'll get to that. Um, I, I hope you enjoyed the last episode about this. If you haven't listened or watched that one, just go back. Uh, I think I called it Who is God? So Go back and check out the Who is God episode and then come to this. If you want to read these articles, you can get those on Medium. They're on the Medium app. Just get yourself the Medium app, and then you can read everything that I write on there. You can also go to my journal on tiagoprem.com, and I post the articles there as well. You can watch these videos on YouTube. You can watch us on Spotify, listen on iTunes, whatever it is you do. If you love the show, though, please do rate us and review us and then share with your friends. That's one of the best ways you can support this show is to share with your friends. Another great way that you can support is to become a part of our online community, which you can find all about. Uh, you can find out about that. <laughs> you can find out all about that. Um, I, I, it's the learning Spanish here down in Mexico that sometimes now I feel like my, or that's what I'll go with anyways, that my English sometimes is a little bit funny. Um, but you can find all about, find out all about, <laughs> you can find out all about, <laughs> it's so funny. You could find out all about our digital community as well as our in-person experiences down here in Mexico, where my family now lives, by going to tiagoprem.com. Wow. <laughs> I hope it goes a lot better than that uh, going forward. I might even, if you're hearing all of that, it means that I chose to just leave that edit in just so you could see how challenging that was for me to just spit it out. Um, so anyhow, I am on the rooftop of our home in San Pancho, Mexico, and uh, you may hear some mariachis and you may hear some dogs and some birds and some, you know, a little different sound quality than maybe you're used to. And if you do hear those things, I would encourage you to just picture yourself down here in San Pancho with me uh, sitting on the rooftop, having this chat, and then uh, after we'll go for tacos. All right. You in for that? All right. So if you, uh, if you didn't listen to the previous episode, I will do a little recap here, but I definitely recommend going back and listening. I'm doing this line by line. So in our first episode, Who is God? I did the first two lines in the Sermon on the Mount, and now today I'm going to do the next two. And just like I did in the first uh, episode, I would encourage you, if you're listening to this and you think, oh, all this Jesus stuff and God stuff and Bible stuff and Christian stuff, it's just not for me. I would encourage you to continue listening because it's not what you have been fed before, okay? There is not, we're not going to tell you, oh, you're going to go to hell if you don't do yada, 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 none of that. This is about love. This is about forgiveness. This is about compassion. 
And and then, especially for today's episode, this is about choosing love over being right. So we're not going to get into who's right, who's wrong. Are you a this? Are you a believer, a non-believer? No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Okay. So that's the disclaimer. You know, if you're concerned about dogma in any way, then, you know, you're not going to get any of that here. We're not serving that flavor today. We're serving up love. What what does meekness really mean? What does it mean to be meek? And what's the whole deal with righteousness anyways? We're going to we're going to turn it and turn the diamond a bunch of different angles and really get a good look at the cuts and allow the light to shine through in a way that makes sense for us. So I would encourage you to stay with me, and uh, I think we'll all uh, learn and grow together, even if it's just a little smidgen today. Even if that little smidgen is going, well, I'm kind of put off by all the Bible stuff, but I think I'll give it a try. Even that is growth in your ability to be patient and tolerant with someone who may have a different view than you. So thank you for that, and thank you for being here, and thank you for supporting this show. It really means a lot. So in our part one, I had mentioned that at the start of uh, the talk on the Sermon on the Mount, there's large crowds of people from Galilee, uh, the Greek region of Decapolis, which means the Ten Cities, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and a region from across the Jordan River. Uh, So a lot of different places and people of different backgrounds have gathered around to receive healing from this healer, essentially. Okay, and the healer is a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, and his name is Yeshua, or Jesus, okay? And so all kinds of people are in attendance, Hebrews, Greeks, Jews, non-Jews, and other demographics. They've all gathered around to be healed by this healing rabbi. And uh, many, many of the groups have been told, uh, primarily by religious authorities, that they are not to spend time with those people over there. Because those people are like this. Those Hebrews are like this. Jewish people are like that. Gentiles are like that. Prostitutes are like that. Drug addicts are like that. People who have epilepsy are like that. You know, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of division and sort of casting people into groups. And then religious authorities especially, but also just, you know, I don't know, cultural rhetoric or like social conditioning. Um, cause uh, this division. So it's very odd that they happen to all be hanging around together to listen to a rabbi. And I, I love that. It's a mixed bag. That's what I used to love about the Dharma Temple. It was such a mixed bag. When we had the Dharma Temple, you know, there would be Sikhs and Punjabi Sikhs and uh, people with tattoos and transgendered folks and uh, married couples and children and pregnant moms and all these like mixed bag of people all coming together to practice, and I, I loved that. And I also thought about, you know, when Guru Nanak from the Sikh tradition had his ministry, it would have been something similar, you know, just a, a lot of different folks. And then we, and then we participate down the line in separating people. I'm a this, and you're a that, and and you are like this, and I'm not like that, and our people are like this, and humans. <laughs> Okay, so it's a real mixed group, and uh, it's important symbolism because uh, everyone was gathered to receive healing beyond dogma, beyond religion, beyond any life condition, but just to be healed. 
And the text says that uh, Jesus hikes up on the side of a mountain and with a small group of his disciples, so students, apprentices, people he is mentoring, and they gather around him to hear what he has to say. Remember that this is happening with a mass of humans who have been healed or are waiting to be healed by this rabbi, Yeshua. Uh, and, you know, some of them are religious. Some of them are not religious. Some of them are tax collectors. Some of them are drunk. Some of them are... It's a real mixed bag. I mean, can I say that any other way? I think we get the point. But this is the setting where Jesus begins his famous uh, Sermon on the Mount. And so last week we covered the poor in spirit and those who mourn will be comforted. We talked all about death and sin and love, and, you know, it was a great time. And you can always go back and read that or watch that on a, on a different episode. So today, next up, is blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And when you hear the word meek, what comes to mind? I mean, you know, meek. It's not a very common word used these days. I mean, when's the last time you used the word meek in a sentence? Chances are you haven't really used it that often. Maybe you use it all the time, but I definitely haven't. I, I don't know how to say it in Spanish or anything like that. Um, but the Cambridge Dictionary, it says this, uh, quiet, gentle, and not willing to argue or express opinions in a forceful way. Well, that sounds like a quality that would be beneficial during these times, these times of cancel culture and virtue signaling. Don't you think? To be quiet, gentle, not willing to argue or be forceful in the way that you express opinions. Now let's go a little deeper. Let's explore those words a little deeper, these uh, words that the Cambridge Dictionary has chosen. Um, so for quiet, when I think about quiet, what comes to mind? Um, patient observant to really observe my daughter was like that when she was young she would really observe everything and it made her seem much older than she actually is because she didn't just get stressed instantly she would observe and take it all in for quiet and you had to be quiet to do that okay and then uh, for gentle kind compassionate what about not willing to argue you know that's a it's kind of a negative I'm not willing to argue. You kind of hear like willing to argue, don't you? Uh, sort of, right? So what if we choose a word or two that's more affirming, like self-assured uh, or comfortable in your own skin or maybe even trust, trustworthy or faithful? Um, it might be a stretch, but uh, like with the trustworthy and faithful, but I think we'll get there. So I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had the honor of knowing someone who is steadfast in their faith or in their sense of self, depending on where you are positioned in the small s self, big s self, slash no self or God or no God debate? Do you know what I mean by that? Like some people say there is no self, the Buddhists. Some people say there's a supreme self, um, the uh, you know Vedic philosophy, yoga philosophy, um, and some people say, you know, there's just you, the human, and then you have a soul, or, and then some people say there's a God, and other people say there isn't any God, and so I, I want this to be relatable for everybody, so the steadfast in their faith is like the person just really knows who they are, the same way as saying the person just has a, a real grounded sense of self. Is that coming through clear? Yeah? Okay, so 
what I mean by this is somebody who's really connected to their inner knower. I like that language because everybody can kind of jump in where they where it makes sense for them. And and it's a like a grounded quietness. I mean, you've heard me say the word grounded a couple times. You know, what does it mean to be grounded? Just to really be stable and to know who you are. And a quietness in this kind of knowing. Uh, somebody who doesn't need to fight or argue or talk over others. Even when they're right about something. It's like, see, told you so. Not that. Just And you're thinking, they were completely right and they're not rubbing it in my face at all. Wow, that's inspiring. Right? Or they don't need to talk over others when the person they're communicating with has opposing views. It can just be like, they just have opposing views. It's fine. It's not, doesn't, we don't need to fight about it. <laughs> they have nothing to prove, and so there's enough space so that they can listen without being swept away in the current of needing to be right or needing to be validated. The needing to be right, ego trip. The needing to be validated, ego trip. And I've met people like this in my life. You know, I'm sure you have as well. In fact, my first childhood mentor was like this with me. I was interested in the Buddha and in Buddhism and, and Eastern philosophy. And at the time, that was a concern to my Christian family, church, community, etc. Some of my loved ones even tried to talk me out of it, tried to convince me that what I was doing was wrong or even evil in some cases. And some even tried to take books away from me, saying that I was in a spiritual battle and that if I would just stop asking and exploring, then the battle would be won. I mean, stop asking and exploring. What? <laughs> I hope my daughter always keeps asking and exploring. That's very important to me. But, you know, we do the best that we can with what we have. Um, anyhow, my childhood mentor did not take this approach at all. He didn't try to force anything. A and by the way, important to note here that he is it was and is a self-proclaimed, albeit very quiet about this in a good way, Christian, okay? So he's a Christian, just like the other folks that I knew who are saying, don't do it, it's wrong, you're in a spiritual battle, we're losing you, you're, you're going to go to hell, like all that. He's just going like, hmm, okay, he's interested in this. I mean, what a Christ-like response, really, you know? Um, and so he observed me and my new interests, and he asked questions, and he really listened for the answers. And I could tell by his presence that he was taking the time outside of our conversation to reflect on what was said. I mean, if that's not love, I don't know what is. And I could tell by his presence, you know, that he cared. Just how he showed up when I was, like, asking questions, right? And he took me to museums and temples and, and just invited me to explore the Buddha and who the Buddha was and what the Buddha's message was and why was it relevant at the time. You know, I mean, this is somebody who's had an impact like Jesus for thousands of years, had a profound impact on the world, and he's going, huh, I wonder why. Without feeling the need to go like, oh, well, if I explore this, then I I'm, don't know who I am, and I might lose my soul for eternity, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, 
So anyhow, my childhood mentor was patient and quiet and observant and kind and compassionate in that he tried to see where I was coming from with an open mind and heart, and he never once told me I was wrong or tried to be forceful in any manner despite our opposing views. Remaining steady in his faith. And even as an adolescent, I could see the spiritual... Uh, spiritual strength and grace in this behavior. I wanted to be like that when I grew up. I really did. And guess what? I still do. It's really inspiring. And, you know, if we look at quiet, if we look at compassionate, kind, if we look at doesn't need to argue or force things on you, that's meek, according to the dictionary, I want to be like that. There's something to that. You know, and when I look at the world today and reflect on how many positive changes could be made on this planet if we as a collective honored these qualities, these qualities of just making space to understand why a person would behave they are the way they are. Imagine the shift in politics. Imagine the shift in economics, environmental issues, religion, etc. We might just inherit the earth, which to me means remember how to live in harmonic balance with the elements of which we are made. That's what I uh, inherit the earth is. Create a little bit of space. Don't need to be right. Don't need to force your views on anybody. Just observe, pay attention, watch in nature, try and be kind, and you will come home to who you are. Okay, so next up we have, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Right out of the gate with this one is a word that can be triggering for some folks. Righteousness. When you hear it, does it make you think holier than thou? Does it bring up any icky feelings of hierarchical nonsense? If you said yes, not to worry. It does for me too. A great place to start is to have an honest look at what Jesus taught, and then by looking at the essence of his message, we can determine what is in alignment with that message, which will in turn give us the clarity to learn from, and in many instances, discard any unnecessary religiosity, dogma, traditional mumbo-jumbo, etc. that has been accumulated over the years. So we want to know uh, through this process of learning what was the heart of what he shared as opposed to the head, okay? So kind of removing that need to be right stuff and get to the love-centered, Christ-like, you know, gooey center rather than the hard shell of the dogma and living a rule-centered life. You know what I mean? Okay? Focus on the heart of the teachings. Less emphasis on what is declared as right by the tradition or the religious establishment or the rules of woke culture or whatever it is, okay? What is the heart? Where's the love? Where's the love? That's what we're interested in. And that's where I want to explore a little bit the story of the Good Samaritan, because I think this story is very famous. You know, this is a, a thousands-year-old uh, parable, and we're still aware of it. If you say to somebody, Good Samaritan, today, they'll say, oh, that's somebody who does something for somebody who's in trouble. It's a, it's a common phrase that's 
I don't know, 1,500 years old. I'm just playing around with it here. But old, <laughs> you know, older than three generations of your family kind of thing, old. Um, so there must be something to it. And so I want to get to the heart of this teaching. And then maybe in doing that, we can go, okay, when it says righteousness, what does that mean? So those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness will be truly uh, nourished. Okay, so what does that mean? Let's go to the heart. And we'll go in through the head to the heart. So if we look at this story, it's from Luke chapter 10, and in it Jesus is challenged by a lawyer uh, who, who, to answer a question. Okay? And it's important to note that when you see the word lawyer, if you're reading this in the Bible, we're talking about a person of the law. And in the first century, a long time ago, like I said, uh, in writings like the Bible, what we're talking about when we say a lawyer, what we're talking about here is somebody who knows the scriptures very well especially in Jewish culture, okay? For at the time, the scriptures were the law, the Jewish law, especially in this case, where a conversation is taking place between a religious scholar, a.k.a. lawyer, and a rabbi, a.k.a. Yeshua or Jesus. And so the lawyer asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this appears to be, you know, like in a kung fu movie where the person says, like, teach me the secrets of Aikido or show me the way of the way or, you know, something like that. And then the sensei or the master comes back with some profound insight or something like that. It appears to be like that, but it isn't. <laughs> it's a conversation between somebody who is very scholarly, like a university professor or something, and then kind of like... Um, rebel-rousing rabbi who kind of breaks the rules and does it all in the name of love. And, and so they, they're kind of squaring off toe-to-toe. -to -toe. It's not so much a uh, grasshopper and <laughs> master situation like in a kung fu film, okay? Even though it appears to be like that, something else is happening here. And in the first century, there was very little conversation about the afterlife, okay? So we think about nowadays, like, you, maybe if you're from the Western world, you've heard people say, like, what happens when you die? Oh, reincarnation. I have a teacher who used to say it doesn't matter if you believe in reincarnation or not. It happens anyways, which is also a very scientific statement. Um, but then you've also probably heard, like, you know, if you say, sing Jesus loves me, this I know three times, and uh, say your prayers before you go to bed, then when you die, you will go to a place where the streets are paved of gold and you will sing uh, hymns in the choir uh, with the angels for the rest of eternity. And if you don't uh, fulfill that contract, then you will go to a place that is eternal damnation, fire and brimstone and uh, pain forever. Or you may be of the variety who thinks, you know, maybe you get stuck somewhere in between the two where it's like being stuck on hold. <laughs> you remember when you used to get stuck on hold? Well, that, you, if you phone anywhere now, I guess you do the bank or something. You're just waiting and waiting and waiting for eternity. I mean, some people believe in that flavor as well. But in the first century, in this particular place in the world, it was very rarely discussed what happens after life and uh, Jesus hardly spoke about anything like that at all. Okay, so do your homework and uh, let me know what you learn. But uh, from my standpoint as, the, as a scholar during this time, I didn't hear very much about that. 
and so when I look into this and I hear him asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's actually being asked is how do I live the fullest possible life I can? How can I live life to its maximum? Now, remember, these are two spiritual, religious, whatever terminology you want to use, people who are working in the field of God. So they're asking, what can I do to live my best life in brackets with God? Depending on who you are, maybe not in brackets. Okay, how do I, how do I live the most spiritually fulfilling life as possible? The most soul-filled life, right? The soul is eternal. How do I live here in the present a soulful life? That's what's being asked, not what, where do I go when I die? And Jesus responds in this manner that would be satisfactory to any scholar now, because I mean, I've known lots of scholars in my day, and uh, maybe some of you consider yourselves to be scholars, or maybe not. Um, let's hold that thought and go to a little break here, and then we'll keep going. I just want to remind everybody about a great course that I've made. It's called the Quick Fix Six. It's a very simple daily practice that you can do that's going to support this work. So you can, you know, listen to these podcasts, join some of the more philosophical courses that I have to offer, and keep up with a daily physical yoga practice. For me, that is really the you know, the coal for the engine. It's the, f- the fuel for the fire that keeps me going and doing this work. And if you feel like you could really use that in your life, I recommend doing the Quick Fix 6 course. You can get it at tiagaprem.com. Uh, tiaga All my courses are there. And, uh, you know, just get started today. Why not? So anyhow, the, what's happening here is these two brilliant um, scholars and, and sort of rebel-rousing, rebellious rabbi, uh, they, the two of them are having this conversation about eternal life, and, and the, the scholar asks, what can I do to you know, have this full, soulful life? And Jesus responds in a manner that would be satisfactory to any sort of stuffy scholar, one who knows all the scriptures, can quote them word for word. Uh, He says, what do the scriptures say? You know, what does the text say? What does the Torah, the book of the laws of Moses say? So that's a very textbook. You know, you get a good grade in university for that one kind of an answer. And, uh, you know, being a proficient educator of the law, the man replies, quoting the Torah, love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus agrees with the man's answer. The rabbi agrees. And it appears that the question has been answered. And now the rabbi and the lawyer can go their separate ways. La-di-da, the end. Yet remember that this appears to be a challenge. So where's the challenge? The scholar asked the rabbi a question. The rabbi said, what does it say in the scriptures? Something both would have been familiar with, right? A scholar and a rabbi. And then the scholar responds with the most common and precise answer. And there you have it. But why would two people who know the answer to a basic philosophical question be having this conversation in the first place? There appears to be no debate, and therefore no reason for the question to begin with. We don't really need to question something. If we both think the same thing, we can just move on. But then the lawyer, here's the challenge, then the lawyer says, or the scholar says, who is your neighbor? 
And this is where we see, okay, something's going on here. Who is your neighbor? This is the challenge. And this is where Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And this is where we're going to get to the righteousness and the quenching of thirst and the satisfying of hunger. So this is the story of the Good Samaritan. A traveler is walking along the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's a narrow path. It's only a few feet wide. Okay, So it's not a wide, wide road for cars or anything like that. It's only a few feet wide. And on the way, he is beaten and left to die. A priest comes along. And it says, Jesus says that he crosses to the other side of the path so that he can get by, which is pretty funny when you think about this, right? It's like a narrow path with a cliff on one side and a cliff going up on one side and a cliff going down on the other side. So there's nowhere really for him to go. So it's a bit of a cheeky way of saying that he just stepped over this person who really needed his help, just kind of carried on. And then next, a Levite comes along, so a religious leader at the time, and does the same thing as the priest. It's kind of like, oh, don't want to do that, steps over, carries on. Finally, a third person comes along, a Samaritan, and the Samaritan helps the person. And when you hear the story with no context, it appears that what Jesus is saying is to help people who need help. Duh. There's more going on here, okay? Samaritans were a group of people that would have been despised by the teachers of the law at the time, a sect that the Israelites had hated for generations. I mean, mean, look at some of the issues in our world where people are not able to let go of what another group of people did to them for generations before. There's this, like, hate that is cellular. It's really sad. So that's what we're talking about here, okay? It would have been inconceivable to the scholar that an untouchable, evil Samaritan who's never done any good for generations could have been a kind and compassionate person. It was a total paradox. And so this was a drop-the-mic moment for, for the rabbi, okay? which was followed by the question, which one of the three was the good neighbor? And the scholar replies, the one who had mercy on him, which is also a big statement because the scholar is not even able to bring himself to call the helper the Samaritan. That's how deep the hate is running there. (laughs) And Jesus is saying the fullness of life, to experience the fullness of life. That's what he's been asked, right? How do I experience eternal life, the fullness of life here and now? Satisfaction, right? To be filled, our hunger to be satisfied, our thirst to be quenched. In order for that to happen, we have to develop this ability to love beyond logic, to love and forgive even our enemies. And when we love in this way, we will experience the fullness of life. You hear it? So when we say righteousness, let's go to the heart of the teachings. When you practice this love beyond logic, this forgiveness that doesn't make any sense, you will experience a deep satisfaction, a quenching of thirst. 
All right. Well, that's all we have for today's episode of the show. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week where we're going to talk about the merciful and pure at heart. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you've been enjoying this series that we're doing. If you are, share it with your friends, share it on your social media, spread the word. If you love the show, give us a five-star rating and uh, we'll see you soon, you know, next week. It's been going good, the Fridays and the Sundays. Hoping that the new format is uh, looking good and I can kind of get used to the flow. And, you know, if you want to do this in person with some yoga practices and that kind of thing, let's let's get on it. Come on down to San Pancho and uh, practice with me. And if that's not an option for you right now, let's do the digital thing. Okay, You can get all the info you need at tiagoprem.com. Thanks for listening. This is Revealing the Diamond. Bless you. Thank you.